from Isaiah 58. This is the sort of worship that pleases me. Remove the chains of injustice. Undo the ropes of the yoke. Let those who are oppressed go free and break every yoke you encounter. Share your bread with those who are hungry and shelter homeless poor people. Clothe those who are naked and don't hide from the needs of your own flesh and blood. Do this and your light will shine like the dawn and your healing will break forth like lightning. Your integrity will go before you and the glory of Yahweh will be your rear guard. Cry and Yahweh will answer. Call and God will say, I am here. Provided you remove from your midst all oppression, finger pointing and malicious talk. If you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness and your shadows will become like noon. Yahweh will always guide you, giving you relief in desert places. God will give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never run dry. You will rebuild the ancient ruins and build upon age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls and restorer of broken nations. This is one of our sacred readings. Thanks be to God. Dear Church, as I write this on Thursday afternoon, I am still struggling, like many of you, to parse out my thoughts and my feelings. I'm still trying to put yesterday's events into a coherent narrative, still trying to work through my grief and fear of the future, still trying to plant my feet on the ground of hope. There's not much I feel I can say today with any level of polish. But rather in moments like this, all I can do is stand on the ground I know for certain is beneath me. Sometimes I mean that literally. I literally have to feel the ground beneath my feet and the breath in my lungs or else I'll be swamped with the stories readily provided by my imagination. Right now, however, when I say the ground I know for certain is beneath me. 
That's not quite what I mean. What I mean is there are so many complicated and frightening factors at play that there are only a few things I can say, whether from research or faith, or most importantly, from my own experience with any level of clarity and confidence. So this morning, these are the only gifts I have to offer you, and I pray that they are enough. The first thing I know is this. Within us, there is an internal landscape of predictable patterns, but it's a landscape that few of us have taken the time to explore or illuminate for ourselves. In middle school, most of us learned that humans respond to conflict with a fight-or-flight reflex, and while that's true, it's only a small part of a much truer story. Here's the rest. When faced with conflict, the most basic and oldest part of the human brain is wired to respond in one of four ways. Some of them, uh, some, sometimes they're called the four Fs. We fight, we flee, we freeze, or we faint. And we all know what this feels like. We only have to reach back as far as Wednesday to see them at play. Faced with a conflict, some of us reacted with the urge to fight, to, to bow up and demand a show of force, to counter-dominate those we perceived were trying to dominate us. Some reacted by fleeing. We turned off the news. We ate copious amounts of food or drank copious amounts of alcohol or whatever our numbing agent of choice so that we wouldn't have to deal with the painful or unpleasant story unfolding on our screens. Some reacted by freezing. We couldn't think of what to do about it, but we couldn't look away. We were rooted to our phones, speechless with static hissing in our brains where there was once the capacity for rational thought. And some of us reacted by fainting. For some of us, the input overload was quite simply too much. And we might not even remember what we did. Our bodies took over and just shut off. Fight, flight, freeze, faint. These patterns are well traced, and there's no shame in any of them. It's how you learn to keep yourself safe. If not personally, then on an evolutionary level. And it's entirely understandable why you had the reaction that you did, whatever it was. This is not a sermon to say that any of those things are wrong. This is a sermon to try to help us understand. And there are two things about these four F's that we need to understand. The first is this, that many of us are slaves to these responses. We go on automatic, they take over. But the second thing is this, none of those reactions do a thing towards peacemaking or conflict transformation. They are, by design, reactions that will protect us and the systems that we created even when the protection is more harmful than the conflict. So the second thing I know for sure is this. 
in order to work for peace and understanding, for tomorrow to be different from today, then we have got to learn to transcend those four reactions. To transcend fight, flight, freeze, and faint. And it is not a matter of willpower. It's a matter of research-based and intentional practice. The research shows us that there really is only one way to transcend these reactions, and it is through the practice of mindfulness meditation. I'm not exaggerating when I say that mindfulness is a superpower and a silver bullet. I am convinced that when our scriptures say that Jesus repeatedly went off to a solitary place to pray, this was his practice because it's the only thing that could lead us to live the kind of gracious and peaceful and reconciliatory life that he managed to live. The reason that mindfulness is so powerful is that when we practice, whether we're focusing on our breath and a breathing meditation or our body in yoga movements, we are training our brains to see rather than react to our thoughts and our feelings. We see them rise and fall. We see them approach and pass by. When we practice, we train our brains against our brain's automatic response to attach or react against those thoughts and feelings and instead just watch them with curious compassion. It's the difference between standing in the rain and standing under an awning watching the rain. It's the difference between looking out at the world from inside a cloud and standing on the ground watching the clouds pass through a spacious sky. Through the practice of mindfulness, we train ourselves to see the four F responses, the four automatic reactions as they happen and choose not to let them take over. We can see them without attachment and without aversion. And once we're out of it, then we can start the vital work of asking questions, of looking deeply into each of them. We can start to try to understand what's going on in ourselves and in others. We can start to be curious about what we're really afraid of and why. What we're, we can start investigating what watered the seeds of the suffering in front of us, how we can stop watering them, and what we can do to water different seeds. We can start to really understand, and that makes the difference. Because here's the third thing that I know for sure. In order for someone to change their mind about anything, whether it's racism or a rigged election, they must know first and foremost that they are understood. They must know that they are loved and cared for. This is the only way that positive transformation can take place. And it is a state that remains unreachable until we can learn to manage our four F responses. It starts with us 
learning the art of understanding, of non-judgment and non-violence with ourselves and then with others. Peace out there begins in here. And after that, when someone has reached a state where they know that they're understood, when they have heard their fears and their needs reflected back to them without judgment, that is when a person can hear the stories of the one in front of them. That's when they can hear the needs of their siblings, can understand the suffering and the pain of others. And our mirror neurons kick in and empathy is possible and conflict begins to transform. Now the third thing, and I'll be honest, this isn't something that I know for sure, but it's something I strongly suspect. None of this can happen on the internet. Social media, whatever its potentials were or are, has become a reductionistic echo chamber, and its lack of mediation or sense of ethical responsibility is directly responsible for what we saw on Wednesday. Twitter and Facebook, they might have a role to play yet in the healing of this wound, but our learning to be mindful of our F responses, our viewing others with empathy and communication, talking to them with honesty, I don't think that can happen in posts, tweets, or comments as easy as they are to turn to. And that's what I've got. That's what I've got to offer you this morning. There are no ready-made Bible stories that come to mind, no piece of spiritual philosophy or easy rhetoric of hope that I want to throw at you, and you should be suspicious of anybody who does. These are the things I believe most deeply to be true. And what happens if we take their practice seriously? I'm honestly not sure. But it won't be the same as it was. Parker Palmer is an author that has dealt with debilitating depression. And of his struggle, he wrote that the biggest thing he's learned about suffering is that it doesn't let up until you try something that works. After years of trying the same patterns over and over, he wrote, life pushed him lower and lower all the way down until he found the bedrock life wanted him to find. I think we have a ways to go yet lower and lower. But I also believe we will find that awareness and understanding are our bedrock. They are the only way to love and to healing. You might feel overwhelmed right now, and that's understandable. But that overwhelm is an alarm bell showing us that something is not working and it will get louder and worse until we listen. So, friends, may we be, may we learn to be mindful of our urges to 
fight or flee or freeze or faint rather than letting them blindly drive us. Learn to lead with curiosity and understanding rather than judgment. Practice, practice becoming the kind of people for whom peace is a natural byproduct. And then when it comes time to do something, whatever that is for you, whatever you can contribute to this world that brings you to life, then you'll be ready. And then we'll be called repairers of the breach, a people who can heal the wounds of this world. Amen. Thank you.